I appreciate the help some of you have tried to give me this evening by trying to correct my title. Uh, the title is David and the Ark. Some of you were a little confused and thought I meant Noah. Uh, no, this is about David and the Ark, just a different Ark. Uh, the one we're most familiar with is Noah's Ark, but uh, this is the Ark of the Covenant. And the story of David and the Ark, and especially the little part about Uzzah being stricken by God, is uh, one that always interests people. Probably interests skeptics more than it interests believers, but uh, they always want to know, why did God kill Uzzah? doesn't seem like he did anything wrong. So we'll investigate that tonight and uh, learn a little bit about the, the moving of the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, I was thinking that picking this little story in the grand scheme of things uh, is just such a small part of David's life. We could study David all year. Uh, maybe ought to do that someday, but we chose to study him for about six weeks, and uh, there's no way you can cover all that. So we're gonna we just picked a few uh, representative stories, I think, and I thought this was one that deserved to be in the top six. So we're gonna work on uh, David and the Ark tonight, uh, David and Bathsheba next week. And then we'll talk about David's family problems the last week. And I think all of those apply to us today in our faith walk. So let's talk about David and the Ark. The story is in 2 Samuel 6. And then we're going to go over to 1 Chronicles 15. But first we've got to go back to 1 Samuel. It makes you wish for a chronological Bible, doesn't it? Uh, Samuel and Chronicles and Kings have got everything all in there. Uh, but you've got to go back and forth sometimes to put the whole story together. So we're going to start in 1 Samuel. Actually, it starts in 1 Samuel 4, and we're not going to read through there. But you, if you want to know the whole story, go back and read 1 Samuel 4 through part of chapter 7. And you'll understand how the Ark of the Covenant was missing from Israel. Now, obviously, you know where the Ark of the Covenant came from back in Moses' day and with the tabernacle and all that. But during the battle with the Philistines, back in 1 Samuel 4, the Philistines captured the ark. And maybe it's because Israelites had it where it wasn't supposed to be in the first place. They took it into battle uh, to intimidate the Philistines, and it did scare them for a little while because the ark represented to them gods. And they had heard that these gods had uh, defeated the Egyptians and all kinds of other stories, and now here was this gold box that uh, they were used to, golden things representing God, so they were scared, but they just made their mind up to fight harder. God allowed them to win the battle. Eli's sons were killed. Uh, the man ran to tell Eli what had happened, and Eli fell over and broke his neck and died. All sorts of interesting things happened in chapters 4 through 7. Uh, but anyhow, the Philistines ended up with the ark. And they took it, first of all, to one place, and they put it in the temple where their god was, Dagon, one of their gods. And the next morning, Dagon had fallen over and broken to pieces. Uh, could have just been a coincidence, but <laughs> maybe God had something to do with it. And they started to get the idea that maybe we shouldn't have this ark. And then things got worse. They started getting sick. They had tumors. People were dying. So they moved it to another town. People there got sick and started dying. 
they've moved it to Gath, and they moved it to Ekron. They've kept moving around. For seven months, every place this ark went, Philistines were dying. So Philistines must have been a little slow-witted, but after seven months, they finally figured it out, said, we've got to get rid of this thing. Uh, we've got to send it back to Israel, and how do we do that? And some of their wise men figured out, said, well, don't just send it by itself. Fill it up with gold. Make a guilt offering, and maybe their God will forgive us and quit killing us. So they filled the ark up with gold, and it was a box. Uh, had a few things in it, but not much. And they filled it with gold, sent it back on a cart, and it got to Israel. So that's how it got back. Now, once it got there, there were problems with the Israelites. Uh, the Israelites had it now, and a bunch of them decided, we'll look in there and see what they sent us. And so they opened it up and looked. Well, 70 of them died for looking. Uh, if you ever wonder where the script for Indiana Jones came from, that's where it came from. Uh, you weren't supposed to look in the ark if you weren't a priest, and they got in trouble for it. So those few chapters have got all sorts of interesting stories in it, but the part we need to know is that the ark was back in Israel, but it wasn't where it was supposed to be. It wasn't with the tabernacle. It wasn't in uh, Jerusalem where the king was and all of that. Um, and Saul evidently just left it there. He didn't make any effort that we know of. And I don't know exactly how long it stayed there. I guess I could have figured that out maybe if I'd worked at it. But uh, Saul didn't go after it. Saul didn't seem interested in getting the ark back in its rightful place. Well, Saul finished out his uh, kingship and uh, died, and David became king. And when David became king, and here's a key part of him being a man after God's own heart, we'll see in our last lesson, is he knew the ark ought to be in its rightful place. He wanted to restore it where it belonged. And so he proceeded to work toward that, and in Second Samuel 6, uh, we're told the story of how that went. Now, before we read these few verses, you got to understand what caused the problem here is David, I called him a pragmatic man here in, on the handout, he came up with a pragmatic solution. The ark is over there, I want to get it to Jerusalem, what's the best way to do that? What will work? And from what he knew, evidently, now bear in mind, the ark had been gone for a while. They hadn't been following God's plans for it. They hadn't been doing what God said, so they'd kind of forgotten uh, the process. And David, to his mind, he thought, well, we'll put it on a cart and we'll haul it home. That'll get it here quick. So he sent a cart after it, and the boys loaded it up and tried to bring it home. That's when the trouble started. All right, let's read... Uh, from chapter 6 of Second Samuel, verse 1, David brought together out of Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. And he and all his men set out from Bala of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it, 
And David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with songs and harps, lyres, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Now listen to this. Then David was angry. David got angry at God because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. In other words, he didn't want to try it again. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, and the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. So here's the story. We load it on the ark. We start going, hit a pothole or something. It starts to fall over. Uzzah reaches up to steady it, and he gets fried on the spot. David got mad. Got mad at God. Why would you do that? Now understand, David didn't know the process. He hadn't taken time to figure that out, evidently. He hadn't been taught it in his lifetime for some reason, or he had forgotten it for some reason, and decided to do just what worked. And so he got mad at God, and then he was afraid of God. He was afraid to move the ark again, which was pretty perspicacious of him. Uh, So he left it there with Obed-Edom's house. Now, all of a sudden then, we read after about Obed-Edom, Verse 12, now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom, everything he has, because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. That's kind of a strange story because David was afraid to move it, and then all of a sudden, the next paragraph, he's moving it. Well, what happened in between was 1 Chronicles 15. Evidently, in those three months, David did his homework. Now, David went back and talked to the priests, or maybe had the priests read the writings of Moses to him, but he figured out what the right process was. So, beginning in uh, chapter 1 of verse 15, we learn how David was able to go move the ark. So let's read a little bit from 1 Chronicles 15, and then we'll try to make some lessons out of all this. 15 verse 1, After David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God, because the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. So David assembled all of Israel in Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. He called together the descendants of Aaron and the Levites, and we list those. Then verse 11, Then David summoned Zadok and Abiathar the priests, and Uriel, Isaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Medinadab the Levites. He got all Levites like he was supposed to. And he said to them, You are the heads of the Levitical families, you and your fellow Levites, are to consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord 
the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. And he starts quoting scripture here. He says, it was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. So the priests and Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. Okay, great chapter there, great paragraph. David figured it out. Okay. He, we don't, he did his research, he did his homework, he went to the priest, he found out what he was supposed to do and how he was supposed to do it. He told the Levites, you do it this way because Moses said to do it this way, because God said to do it this way. They got the poles, they put them through the rings, they put it on their shoulder, they did all the things they were supposed to do. If you read back in the books of Moses, you'll see exactly the process. Hadn't worried about that before. Okay, the last little phrase there is the key one. How did they do this successfully this time without anybody dying? They did it in accordance with the Word of God. Okay? Somebody ought to preach a series on that, living by the book. You, you do it by the Word of God, and things go better. Okay? That, that's the, the whole lesson of this. Is you do it by the book, you do it by the Word of God, according to the Word of God, Things are going to go well. You do it on your own. You do what you think is right without consulting the book, without worrying about what God says. You're going to get in trouble. Okay. Solid principle. Absolutely solid principle. That's the way it is in life. Remember a few years ago, we did a whole year's uh, series or a whole year's theme called Abundant Living. The principle of that year was that every part of life, and we talked about work, and we talked about family, and we talked about giving, and we talked about all kinds of things. If you do what God says in the book, life goes better. Uh, Not that you have to think of it as rules. i got to follow these rules if I'm going to get to heaven. A lot of the stuff in here is just for our good. If we do it that way, if we live by the book, things are going to be better. Okay? So in this case, David proved that uh, conclusively that it's a whole lot better to do things in accordance with the Word of God. All right, now, that's a short story. Got one quick lesson. Uh, some people still say, well, why did God kill Uzzah? It just doesn't seem fair. Poor Uzzah was trying to do the right thing. Well, poor Uzzah as well-intentioned as he might have been, broke one of the precepts of God. God had said, you don't touch the ark. And just a few months ago, some folks looked in the ark and 70 of them died. Somebody should have put two and two together. Maybe we better figure out how to deal with this thing. But as it didn't, he just grabbed the ark without thinking of course, the trouble started when David did the wrong thing to start with, but it all went downhill when you don't do it according to the Word of God. Now, I said Uzzah violated a precept of God, and that's one of the lessons that I think we ought to get out of here uh, for our faith walking, is there's a difference between a precept 
and a principle. There's a difference between a, a rule of God, a law of God, where he says specifically do this, or a principle that he gives us. And the illustration I put on your handout was, when the sign says 35 miles per hour, that's a precept. You're supposed to drive 35 miles an hour. Don't drive over 35 miles an hour, or you might get a ticket. The difference between that and a principle, a principle is drive carefully. You can tell people either one, follow the rules, that's the precepts. And they'll be safer if they follow the precepts. If you tell them drive carefully, then they've got to make some more decisions on their own. God, some places, tells us just drive carefully. He gives us a principle. And we're free to figure out how to do that best. But sometimes he says, do it this way. This is the way I want it done. And when he gives us a precept... If we do it that way, it's better for us. But if we violate the precept, it's bad for us. That's what Uzzah did. He broke a direct rule of God. Now, we live in an age, we live under a covenant, where there's more principles than there are precepts. Okay? The Old Testament, the old time when Uzzah lived, was a time of teaching where God was trying to teach them how holy he was and who he was and all kinds of things about him. Today, we don't have all that. Well, we have it, but we don't live under it. We have it here. This book says the Old Testament was written for our learning. So we're supposed to use what he gave us here and read the story of Uzzah and figure out what I'm telling you tonight. That breaking the precepts of God is not good for you. If it's a principle, yeah, we got a little leeway. We can think through it and decide this might be best or this might be best. But if it's a precept, a rule, a law, no, you just follow it. And if you break it, you get in trouble. Now, the trouble is a, a pragmatist like David was before he did his homework doesn't draw that distinction. They think... Well, God said to do this, but I'm just going to do what works. And, and as I was thinking of how to try to illustrate this, it occurred to me that what we did last year on Sunday nights, almost everything we talked about in understanding the times, is the, the problem is people today say, well, yeah, God says that. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't apply today. You know, I mean, we spent, I forget how, four weeks or something on homosexuality. People today say, well, yeah, it says that, but that's old-fashioned. Well, it's, it's bad for you. I mean, we looked at all the statistics and all the science and all the medical stuff and all that. It's bad for you. Okay? Physically as well as Spiritually. God says it, but people today say, well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Throw that out. They treat everything, almost everything we talked about last week, falls under that heading as, oh, the details don't matter. You know, if you just love God, if you're just trying to do right, then everything's okay. Well, that would be okay if that was the only principle. 
I mean, if the New Testament just said, love God and try to do the best you can, if that was the only principle we had, we could do a lot of things. But there's a lot of precepts in there, too. There's a lot of direct teaching about how you live your life and how you, you conduct your marriage and how you raise kids. And all kinds of precepts that if we violate them, if we don't pay attention to them, we get in trouble. Things don't go so well. Okay? A man after God's own heart wants to know what the precepts are so he can follow them. He doesn't want to wave them off and say, I'm just following the principle. He wants to know. Now, David, he made a mistake. He thought, well, I'll just do what works. I'll put it on the card. I'll get there quick. When that blew up, he said, whoa, I better study this out. I better see what God tells me to do, and then I'll do that exactly. And he did do it exactly. He got the right people. He had them do it the right way, and everything went fine. Now, Final application for us in our faith walking is that God, I said, seems to have stopped striking people dead on the spot. And I said he seems to because he can still do it if he wants to. (laughs) I can't tell him not to. Uh, Just because he hadn't done it in my sight lately doesn't mean he couldn't do it. But I'm kind of thankful that he doesn't anymore. Fortunately, he seems to have stopped that, but the principle of us is still the same. If you violate his precepts, if you violate his principles for that matter, there's going to be bad consequences. Now, don't want to get into legalism and everything else, but a man after God's own heart wants to know what those are so he can follow them. There are some people that say, well, okay, if that's the rule, I'll follow it. I don't like it and all that. Well, they're going to be better off if they follow the rule. And it would be good if they were after God's own heart and wanted to follow the rule. But either one of those cases, you break the rules, you violate the principles, you're going to have bad consequences. That's why we've got the Old Testament. That's why we're spending time studying some of the faith walkers, especially some from the Old Testament, we can learn a whole lot about life and about walking by faith by looking at how they did and what happened to them and the principles and the the consequences that they had to suffer. Today, like I already said, we got more principles than we do precepts. We don't have the hundreds and hundreds of rules and regulations that they had. A whole lot of it is left up to us. They had lists and lists of how to dress and what to wear and all that. New Testament just says, dress modestly. We've got to think some on that. A whole lot of things like that under the New Covenant that aren't, aren't listed specifically this way, that way, not this way. Uh, we got the principles, but if we follow them, we have, do have precepts, we follow those. But if we do, we're going to have a much more abundant life. Okay, the principle of the David and the Ark. Uh, hopefully we get that understood a little bit. But do things according to the Word of God. 
will keep us out of trouble. It will produce good things. Uh, there's a whole lot of things, not just in the moral camp, which we talked about last year on Understanding the Times, but in the practice of the church and the worship of the church and there are a lot of things where folks today are moving over to, well, we can do it any way we want. And just because they don't get struck dead on the spot doesn't mean that they, I think the main problem is they haven't thought through to what the consequences are going to be. Okay, God started things a certain way for a reason. And when we change it, when we say, well, it seems like a good idea to us, without knowing what's going to happen a few generations from now, we may be sorry we changed. So uh, anyhow, following precepts, principles, doing things according to the Word of God is our rule for faith walking tonight. Okay, next week we're going to talk about David and Bathsheba, probably the most famous uh, down spot in David's life, and we're going to think through that and see if we can learn a few lessons from David's sin. And then we'll finish up by talking about the consequences of that in his family. Then we'll spend about half our last night talking about what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart. David, all we're looking at seems like his mess-ups and sins, yet he was still a man after God's own heart. So we'll see if we can figure that out in a couple of weeks. Lesson is yours. If you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, uh, we're going to sing a song of invitation. We'd be happy to help you with whatever your need is tonight. Let's stand and sing.